Off the ball. GAA. Well, even if I want to, I put it this way, I put my back out trying to take off my shoes the last day. <laughs> so, <laughs> if I was still a typical corner forward, I'd absolutely hate Off it. the ball. Join in the obsession. Subscribe now at offtheball.com forward slash join. The Koi Gig Pod on Off the Ball in association with Cadbury, official snack partner of the Republic of Ireland women's national team. Katie McCabe, a huge, huge goal. Very proud of the team's performance. We're going to go out there to beat them, we're going to try and beat them. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Koi Gig podcast. Kathleen McNamee here and we are going to bring you an excellent episode as always of the podcast where we look at all the things that are happening in the world of women's football both here at home and across the water in England. Joining me today as ever we have the one and only Karen Duggan and a special treat for all of you here today. Uh, We have Rachel Sullivan a member of the award-winning women's football platform Girls on the Ball. Karen, Rachel... It's lovely to have you both here. Rachel, you're coming to us from somewhere a little bit more spectacular than myself (laughs) and Karen. You are in Paris for the Champions League tonight. I am, and I feel like I'm in the most Parisian of little coffee shops with the most Parisian of music playing, so it's the perfect setting. (laughs) Yeah, for anyone who is listening to us on podcasts and can't see Rachel at the moment, it is well worth going to our YouTube and just having a little look because it does look very, very adorable. Uh, Karen, you are looking very corporate on the other hand. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm really enjoying my work break from lunch, joining you two. <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, this is technically my lunch break as well. So we're in the same boat when it comes to that. Yeah. But we have lots of good things to talk about. So it's going to make it all worth your while. As I said, Rachel is in Paris for the Champions League, which has some interesting ties tonight. Chelsea, obviously, already true, but. Group D, very, very interesting in terms of who's going to follow them. Then we also have uh, the breaking news yesterday about Aston Villa and what has happened with them in the Continental Cup and Manchester United's unhappiness with it. We just have the English media in the last couple of minutes starting to officially report the Tara O'Hanlon news. She is set to sign with Manchester City. John Fallon had that story a little bit earlier in the week. And, of course, we have all the action from the weekend in the WSL. So, yeah, many, many places we can go. But I want to start with something a little bit fun before we go into all that. And uh, anyone who's watching on our YouTube will be able to see a little photograph that's going to pop up on our screens right now of a certain Karen Duggan running up a hill, looking very, very concentrated <laughs> on... Uh, I'm not sure if it's not falling over, if it's making to the to the top of the hill... But Karen, I saw that over the weekend. I posted on the Pewmount um, Twitter page, I think it was. And I was like... Yeah, they did me dirty there. That's, that's the look of a woman who is reevaluating every single life choice she's ever, ever made um, in preseason. And that is a common look that you will see on my face over the course of the next four weeks. That's very fair. I feel like we talk so much about these like training sessions and stuff, but we rarely get like that proper <laughs> insight into it. So whoever runs the social media pages for Pmount, I have to thank you very much. Um, but no, I won't torture you anymore. That was just a little bit of fun for me and I've everyone had else. Torture for one week. Thank you very much, <laughs> um, Rachel. How are things in Paris? What are you looking forward to for the game tonight? Um, well, I know it's a bit of a dead rubber, isn't it? Because Chelsea have already uh, nailed on their spot in the next round and knockout stage in the quarterfinals. But um, hopefully a bit of rotation, potentially. Um, obviously a lot of depth in this Chelsea squad. So maybe seeing players getting more minutes that we haven't necessarily seen before. 
Um, and I'll be honest, I'll definitely be keeping an eye on the various other fixtures going on this evening because there are a lot of exciting fixtures, arguably more exciting fixtures than this one um, going on in the Champions League. And also looking forward to seeing Paris in the flesh, Paris FC in the flesh, the um, giant slayers. Well, that's the thing because like tonight is actually a really big game for them. And as we have seen, they've done it against many, many teams so far this season. I think they've kind of turned into the team that anyone who's watching the Champions League and maybe doesn't have a loyalty left to any of the teams that are there, everyone's kind of jumping on that a little bit because it's just been such a fun story. And it's nice when you have, say, the dominance of a a Barcelona or a Leon in these sort of competitions that you get to see something a little bit different. Yeah, and it's, you know, I think we were also excited earlier on in the group stage, like before the group stages, seeing who they knocked out and who they get in the group stages. And we probably thought a really difficult group for them. And actually, they've not done too badly. I mean, both pa- Hacken and Paris FC have surprised us a little bit. So, yeah, it's they're the stories that are nice to hear. Um, I think some of the groups have maybe fallen slightly unfortunate for some teams that you'd hope would progress. But arguably, you look at, say, groups A and B, and the teams that are coming second is really exciting because they might not necessarily have done that. They might not have expected that going into the Champions League. So there are still those nice stories around and it's not just about your your usual suspects, I suppose. Yeah, just to give people a kind of like a general appreciation for how things are looking. So as you say, Barcelona topping Group A and then you have... Benfica on eight, Frankfurt on four points and Rosengard on one. In Group B, you have Leon in second place. You have Bran only three points behind, which like is very impressive. Slavia Praha on four and then St. Poland on one. Group C, you have Paris. Uh, you have Ajax on seven and then Bayern on six. So again, not the sort of result that maybe people will be expecting going into the final round of fixtures. And then Roma uh, at the bottom on five points. And then Group D... Really interesting. Chelsea on 11, Hacken on 8, Paris FC on 7 and Real Madrid only on 1. So they're not having too good a time in the Champions League, which seems to be a bit of a, a theme for them as of recently. Um, Karen, we've talked a lot about Chelsea the last while and particularly Lauren James and what she's done and what comes next with Emma Hayes. But I suppose one of the big things for them is going to be managing minutes and we've seen them bring in on this like massive loan transfer on this massive buy-in which is like the biggest transfer fee that's been so in the history of the British market so it doesn't look like Emma Hayes is stopping her Emma Hayes-ness all that much in the like last couple of months of her tenure she's still pushing those boundaries and pushing those barriers yeah but Emma Hayes is too much of a professional to not and also she has such an affiliation with Chelsea now like that's what has gotten her to the be kind of the renowned coach that she is today and she'll go on to do great things with um, the US team, no doubt. But um, the one thing that's kind of left to do is win the Champions League, really, isn't it? So I think everything is absolutely focused towards that. And Sam Kerr was kind of like her her right-hand woman for a lot of the successes that has happened over the last few years. And to not have her for the rest of the season she obviously feels that there's a big gap to fill and it's her job to fill it. And she's done that in Ramirez. And I'm really excited to see her. You can see it in glimpses even at the weekend, her hold up play, the way she can take players on. She's she's a different type of player, but she does have some of those Sam Kerr elements where she's always alive on the ball. Um, And it'll take time for her to get used to it. And I think that today would be a really good game to kind of bring her in. Um, 
get her used to the players around her. Like you say, it's a bit of a dead rubber. So it's a perfect opportunity for her to feel her way into the team and, and get minutes in a Chelsea shirt under her belt. Mm, what sort of team do you expect, Rachel, for Emma Hayes tonight? As Karen said, there is a good opportunity to give those players a chance to bed in a bit, or is it go all guns blazing because of the Champions League history that's there and I suppose keeping the momentum of that strong first team that she has? I do think we'll see rotation. I think with the amount of games they've had in the last kind of week, 10 days, I do expect to see rotation. I don't know if Ramirez is registered with Chelsea in the Champions League. That's the only thing. Um, whether she'll actually be able to play. That would be the only unfortunate thing if that's the case um, because it would be the perfect opportunity. Uh, I do expect to see the likes of LJ rested um, and maybe some changes at the back. Maybe Eve Perisay starting again. I'd expect maybe Charles to be rested. Um, whether she starts Kirby in the nine instead or maybe Anki Beaver-Jones gets a little bit a few more minutes, which would be good to see. But I do expect rotation. I know she wants to win. I know she wants to go all guns blazing. But, you know, she has so many they're fighting a lot of fires on multiple fronts so I think yeah rotation is something we'll see yeah I just looked it up there I don't think she has traveled with the team but as I said it probably would have been a good opportunity to um, give her some minutes but hopefully we will see a lot more of her in a Chelsea jersey for the rest of the season and that uh, Chelsea's injury list doesn't turn into looking a little bit like Arsenal's one was doing last year because that would be unfortunate um, Karen as I mentioned news breaking across the water now about Tara Hanlon Signing for Manchester City, obviously a massive move for her, a really, really exciting one for Ireland fans in general. A sad one, I imagine, for you slightly. Obviously, you're very supportive of her and her career and always have been on the podcast. But uh, I imagine that you're like, bye, have fun, but also don't forget us. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's been coming for a long time. Um, She was very unfortunate with the injury she picked up. We thought we were going to lose her last season, but she was around with Piemont and was very much part of the title celebrations, which was lovely. Um, But from the second Tara broke into the senior team, you knew she was destined for great things. It was just a matter of where she would end up. Um, and obviously Manchester City is, is that place. And I mean, what an opportunity, not only the setup that they have, you know, they're, they're building onto their training grounds. Um, Emma Burns speaks really highly about how they look after the young players and things like that coming through. But also the style of play that they play is it's exciting to watch. And I think it's a place where young players can get an opportunity to break in. And I've spoken about players going over before they're ready and not being able to make an impact in the WSL. But I feel very differently about Tara Hanlon going over because of the levels I can see that she already has. Um, And she's got time now. She has to recover from her injury. She'll be in and around the first team. So she has this six months really to, you know, get over any homesickness or anything like that, that might creep up and really like focus herself on, on getting ready for, breaking into that squad next year and I, I think it's an absolutely brilliant move for her um, and I fully expect that Tara will go from strength to strength um, because like I said, I've said it before for me she's the most exciting prospect to come out of this country in a, a, a very long time. Mm-hmm. No pressure to pour Tara after that. Listen. She can take it, she can take it. She's had to listen to me shouting at her for the last few years. she can take it. I can imagine. No it is, it's really exciting from an Irish perspective because I suppose been a while since someone has got a move to one of the higher level WSL teams and we'll all be watching obviously very excited to see her back in a 
Irish jersey. Great to have Eileen Gleeson in there. Feels like the sort of manager that hopefully can help take her on a little bit as well. Um, Rachel, we had a question in from one of our lovely listeners on Twitter, um, at Braids13, saying, a big week for what was the West Ham contingent, Jess Duzarding, will we see her in the next squad? And then for Atkinson, is going down a league for game time the best for her long-term development? Stapleton loan seems like a no-brainer. So it's actually been a very busy transfer window when it comes to Irish players so far, whether it's the league here or whether it's over in the WSL and the championship. Well, on the first one, Jessu, I thought, was great at the weekend, set up that second goal. Um, and I thought her partnership with IEC is really building and she just looks such an exciting player. And I remember when she first came in and I was at their first game and she got minutes and I thought, oh my God, this is going to be so great for Jess. And then, of course, got the injury. So to have her back and playing is brilliant and shining. So I wouldn't be surprised if she's in the next game because that was such a big game for West Ham. Um, and she played an important role, so I wouldn't be surprised to see her in the starting eleven again. Um, and yes, for, to the other the other questions um, about the other transfers, I guess it makes sense again. Um, Izzy looked so good when she came on for West Ham, and I think getting she'll hopefully be starting um, uh, in the championship. I would expect so because she looked so dangerous when she did come on and, and an, an exciting player. So yeah, I think those minutes will be crucial for them, um, and I wouldn't be surprised then if you potentially see them back in the WSL again in a season or two's time. Yeah, you'd have to hope so. I totally agree with you. I feel like the glimpses we got of Atkinson whenever she played, she looked really good. She looked like she was developing in confidence. And maybe it is a case of just needing that little bit of time to kind of properly play a good few minutes, have her, that confidence build. The championship is so competitive as well. Like I think that's the thing that people forget because they possibly focus on the WSL. But in terms of competitive games, you're actually probably more likely to get a couple of them down in the championship than you are in the WSL at times. So she is going to be still be tested quite a lot. And if she is getting that regular first team football, hopefully it can only be a good thing. Um, in terms of the Irish team in general, just a quick thing I wanted to shout out to everyone before we move on. But Ireland have their game against Wales coming up on the February the 27th in Tala. That's at half seven in the evening. I think it's a Tuesday. Um, but if you haven't seen already, the Ireland Women National Team Supporters Club, who have been doing the rounds on social media uh, and also have been at games leading chants and stuff, they're currently finalising things with the FAI to become the official supporters group for the Women's National Team. So if you're interested in becoming a member, they've asked that we let you know you can register your interest via the link that is on their Instagram page. That's at Ireland WNTSC. Um, the membership will have loads of benefits. They can't officially reveal them yet, but I've had a little sneak peek and it's definitely going to be very, very good. And it won't just be a case of finding a group of like-minded people who enjoy following the team. So if you're a listener to the podcast, you're probably going to want to join up. More details on how the group will operate are going to be announced very, very soon. So make sure you follow them for more details. That's Ireland WNTSC on Instagram. The deadline for interest is Friday the 23rd of February at 9pm. I don't know officially, but I assume that will reopen at different points. They're just kind of gauging interest at the moment. Um, Rachel, we had like a quick chat about this on WhatsApp the other day, but we were saying that the Wales game is an interesting one because it's hard to know how much the team are going to take from this with the level of opposition with going into league a and knowing we're going to be facing higher opposition there's a hope that there's some other fixture lined up in there as well that maybe might be a little bit higher 
I don't want to say quality because that feels slightly offensive to the Welsh, but like a higher challenge maybe than what the Wales game will give us. Yeah, I mean, I, I was kind of hold trying not to. I was trying to reserve judgment until we heard about maybe a second fixture, um, because putting it nicely, we want Ireland to be tested. Like it's going to be tough in Group A. It's a completely different to what they would have experienced in in League B. So yeah, I think we want them to be properly tested just to not bring them back, back down to reality in, in no way, shape or form, but like it is going to be, you know, a tough old time in, in, in league A. So um, we shall see. I hope for a second fixture and hopefully someone that will challenge them um, and, and a tougher opposition potentially, but that's not to say that it's not going to be a great game against Wales. They're always exciting, aren't they? Yeah, and there'll be a good atmosphere there as well because you have that kind of neighbourly rivalry and when you have like these supporter groups as well popping up, it feels like... Uh, there's only going to be more and more excitement, but we will obviously be bringing podcasts to you guys whenever that international break comes along. But first, we are going to welcome Emma Carroll onto the podcast so we can have a little look at our team of the week. Well, in classic Koi Gig fashion, we have to have at least one Emma on the podcast. So today we have Emma Carroll back with us for her team of the week. Uh, Emma, how did you find doing this week's team? Um, great. <laughs> <laughs> you sound so happy about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not packing up a house or anything. Um, in goal, Courtney Brosnan. <laughs> the last thing you have to pack is all your screens, just so you can yeah, do the team of the all week. Of them, yeah. <laughs> um, we've got Fox, Bjorn, and Charles at the back. Hesegawa, Pavlova in the Pavlova. In the middle, and then Paris, James, Hemp, Miedema, and Shaw as kind of an attacking five-ish. I'm quite surprised that Pavlova hasn't been turned into a Pavlova at some stage by <laughs> someone on Twitter or Instagram. Um, Karen, thoughts on this team of the week? Yeah, um, I mean, great to see Courtney back in there. Um, I think we were waiting to see uh, how Emily Fox would adapt to the WSL and <laughs> turns out she did it quite easily, in fact. Uh, so that was great. Um, I mean, you're, we're, I don't think we're ever going to see a team of the week without Lauren James or Bunny Shaw again with the form that they're in. Um, and yeah, you stuck Nikita Paris on the right there, even though her her change in run of form is actually because she's playing through the middle for, for Man United because it has been a, a problem area. We pointed it out that Man United aren't um, as threatening in front of goal and she seems to be the the option that Mark Skinner is going for. I don't think it's a good long-term option as a, as a United fan, but she's certainly doing the business for them there, so I can't argue with that. A revelation, um, as Mark Skinner said. A revelation, he, 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 even though she's he, been he, around for about 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I love Hasegawa. I absolutely love her. Hasegawa and Kim Little are just the type of midfielder I want to watch all day, every day, so I can't argue with them either. Obviously, you were going to put Miedema in for the you know, the emotion and all that kind of crack. I love what I she was talking s- about the goal and she yeah. was like, I think it was Emily Fox that gave me the... She's like, mm-hmm. I actually don't know. And I was like, I love the fact you weren't even looking. You just had a ball appear at your feet. Yeah. Listen, she celebrated, so she was happy. Like, she never celebrated. Yeah. <laughs> a rare, that's rare. It's wonderful. I thought you might have snuck Neve Fahey in just because in her return to play, um, she showed a lot of leadership obviously they were under a huge amount of pressure they didn't really attack a huge amount so for them to keep it as low scoring as they did was actually quite a feat 
I would say, and we love a bit of Irish bias, but she would be my only shout out there. Um, but the rest of it, yeah. Bang on. Emma, I was going to say, answer for yourself. Why did the Irish bias not come in today when it came to Nifahi? <laughs> yes, like, to be honest, a half time she was probably in there, but mm. just <clears throat> like, was it the second goal? Maybe she could have done better with the ball coming in for Ford. Um, yeah, I actually have like, Jess Sue is also like worth an honourable mention. Mm. She should have scored. Had she scored, she would have been in there. She got caught in about 10 lines in that chance. Yeah. <laughs> she, it was too much time. But I thought she's brilliant. Yeah. And Rachel, what about you? How do you feel about your inaugural Koi Gig Team of the Week? I'm not mad at it. I think it's pretty good. I quite like how some players have been shoehorned in, but I think they've had a, a good enough um, performance that they deserve to be in there. Um, We're not big on giving her. people their actual positions in this podcast. Mm. We're like, Who is? oh no, like, like, like three, three defenders is quite a lot for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard to do to get everyone who deserves to be in there in their actual position. So like I said, I'm not mad at it. I can't imagine a team that had LJ and Miedema on it. That would be uh, frightening. But yeah, I can't think of too many that I would think we're missing. I hope um, Julia Zigiotti's on the bench. But other than that, I thought she, I know they lost, but I thought she had a very good game for Brighton. But no, I think that's a, a pretty good looking team. Yeah, I think another pair that was good and we'll see more of coming in is Gari. I think she's mm. a great addition. Um, and she looks like a good crack, which is also enjoyable. Oh my gosh, uh, I think, Yeah, and I think it's going to be... That game was obviously huge and they didn't, you know, it wasn't overly convincing, but I do think it could be a, a part, the start of the, the tide turning a bit for West Ham and I think she's going to be a key player for that. All I could think of when I was watching that Gary video of her jumping and basically landing on her head was like, how were all the coaches and physios and like, strength and conditioning and just anyone who deals with your health and well-being standing around not being like no be careful <laughs> we're going through an injury crisis in this league right now don't do that to yourself or other players but yeah no she does look like good crack and I enjoyed her whole signing video with her little kid and stuff I thought it was yeah it was good content that's the sort of thing we need to see she nearly got sent off for descent in the first game for the, yeah. her first game in the WSL <laughs> like if that doesn't doing? tell you everything you need to know yeah I mean talk about being super passionate and like like totally into it from the get-go I, I loved that and Emma did yeah. uh Katie McCabe not deserve a shout for purposely getting a yellow card so that she uh misses West Ham rather than Manchester United I mean she done it on purpose that, didn't she that that's the level of commitment that you need to make yourself or get yourself into the team of the week <laughs> if ever there was a tactical yellow that was a tactical yellow to not miss the Manchester United game the smirk on I her face going the... off <laughs> I assume the ref had seen her going off and gone, hang on a second, you haven't been booked. Get back here. <laughs> she's done so well because she's been on that four for like a good while now. So she was thinking, I'm not going to take this chance against West Ham and miss Manchester United. Um, <laughs> well, it cost them dearly the last time it happened. Because the games were rescheduled, yeah. Exactly, yeah. So she took no chances. I, I, I won't agree with bigging up this whole getting yellow cards thing sometimes I still feel like it. I know the fans love it and they're all like this that and the other I just feel like it needs to be cut out of the game it's too risky and it costs the team and, and if we do that in League A and we're without Katie we could 
be really up against it from an Irish perspective. So I, while I do applaud that it was a tactical yellow, I think generally she shouldn't have that many yellows at this stage of the season anyway. Agree. Especially the annoying ones, the ones where you're like... So avoidable. What, yeah. what, are you, what are you doing? Yeah, it's annoying. I agree. About three of the five are probably those annoying little ones as well. Yeah, there is definitely one. Was it Denise O'Sullivan in the last game in the World Cup or something? She hadn't even done all that much, but like Katie had very clearly been annoying the ref. And I think the ref just like got to the end of her tether. So she gave a yellow card to like two of the Irish players that were like kind of innocuous enough fouls, but just because they were the next ones that happened. So I also think there is a bit of a feed in effect to it as well. Like referees will see a certain player doing stuff and whether or not they're punished, that's one thing, but also it can feed into how the rest of the team are viewed as well. So I would agree with the general, you know, we, we won't encourage it too much. But I uh, I think because of the levels of smirking that were happening as she was going off the pitch, I was like, I can't not mention this at all. Um, Emma, in terms of like, we're obviously only just like a few games into the new year now and we've seen, you know, Lauren James being incredible, Bunny Shaw being incredible. And I know you don't often like putting proper defenders in, but (laughs) in terms of the other side of things, like who has been kind of someone that stood out for you from a defensive side? Because we do spend a lot of time talking about our attackers. I'll just throw a bit more bias in there. I've really enjoyed watching Gemma Bonner this season. Mm -hmm. I think she has been class for Liverpool, really solid at the back. On you, like I understand that Fahi was back, and you do want her in your team, but it was kind of an unusual um, lineup at the weekend from Mapbird not playing Kaivisto and uh, Clark, which was yeah, they were given off about that on the Counter Press podcast in terms of his team selection. Fully different defense to what they have been for the first half of the season, and they've been so solid and doing so well. Um, and I know they lost five 0 to City, but that can happen to any team in this league, um, bar maybe Chelsea and Arsenal. Um, so yeah I think I think Gemma Bonner has been like especially in the absence of Nifahi I think she's probably been one of my standout defenders mm. and then from the Irish contingent who has impressed you the most defence wise oh, just in general in general apart from McCabe I've actually I've... enjoyed uh, Jess Zoo the last couple of weeks I think mm. she's come back it's really interesting to see because you don't ex- expect players with ACLs to come back in such form but Beth Mead Meadema mm. Jess Zoo three of them have come back and almost look like they haven't been away. Yeah, I'd be really curious to see how that plays out over the next couple of months in terms of how they have come back. I totally agree. Um, and I think a lot of people, with Bet Mead in particular, they've kind of marvelled at how she's come back. And obviously we saw with like the likes of Patelis, Hergerberg, just to name a few, it took them a bit longer to find their form. So it'd be interesting to know if there is any difference in terms of like the, the rehab London they water. were doing or pardon the London water the London water Rachel? maybe that's it maybe that was the thing that gave it to the wall in the first place and now they're all feeling better again but it just it would be interesting to see as time goes on obviously we had Jill Roard the latest one to um, get an ACL injury in the WSL this week so yeah it's hard to know but hopefully it's not just like a, we haven't played football for a while and we're feeling fresh. Hopefully it is something that's sustainable and long term. Karen, Rachel, any final thoughts on the team? I was going to give Heather Payne a shout out. I think she's been doing really well at Everton. I know Everton lost at the weekend and to be honest, didn't look great, particularly in the second half. But when they played Aston Villa, she was like lightning. She was such a threat. 
Um, so she's she's been impressing me. Yeah, it's her consistency as well. Her first year in the WSL, and um, she's more than holding her own. And I think that is huge. You know, like we spoke at the start, Tara going over. It'll obviously, be really hard to make an impression, but we've seen a lot of players not break into that first team and more so keep their spots so consistently. So I think that is huge credit to, to Heather and her attitude and how driven she is. Uh, uh, but it's, and it's a great thing for us going forward, obviously from an Irish perspective. Mm. Heather, and the woman who situation. feels like she's about 50 mm. years old, but also has only just played her first season of a fully professional yeah. <laughs> career. So, <laughs> But she's, she's, it's a difficult situation for Everton, the amount of injuries they've had. They've got a makeshift defence and actually I've been quite impressed with their defence in the Villa and the Arsenal game. They've all looked really calm at the back for such a young lot mm. of defenders. So, um, yeah, I mean, again, I know their consistency, not hers, but Everton's consistency is brilliant. But I've been, yeah, I think, as you said, Karen, she's been consistent. So we want consistent Irish players playing at the top of their game. Please give us some more of it, especially this year, because we really, really need it. Uh, Emma, thank you very much for joining us. Um, we will see you again next week. Thank you. Now we are back to look at some of the WSL games from the weekend and some interesting results. We were just chatting about Everton there in our team of the week. They obviously had a really disappointing result. Good wins for Arsenal, kind of redeeming themselves a little bit after that initial game against Liverpool earlier on in the season and Chelsea also getting a good win over Brighton. Same with United over Aston Villa. Um, I suppose... I kind of want to start at the bottom of the table rather than the top of the table for once. We normally always start at the top, but I feel like a lot of those results were kind of what we would have expected. Bristol City won, West Ham 2. Lauren Smith, speaking after the game, has said that their next kind of run-in is basically 10 cup finals in this relegation battle. They're route to the bottom of the table at the moment. Bristol are a really interesting case study, I think. We had Jesse Parker Humphreys on... Um, off the ball breakfast during last week and they were pointing out, you know, the attendances have been really good for Bristol. They've bought really interestingly, but we obviously have a great Irish representation there, which we love to see. But they've just really struggled to push on this year. But you do kind of feel like if they had, if it wasn't a case where the likelihood of the team coming up is going to go back down again, you feel like if they had another season, they could actually do something really exciting in the league and challenge a bit more. I don't know if that's me just trying to feed into the fairy tale that has been Bristol, Rachel. Uh, no, I, I totally agree. I think they don't look out of place. I think they've had one heavy defeat Um 5-0, probably Manchester City, wasn't it? Like, that's where most of the heavy defeats seem to come this season. But, you know, otherwise they've been, they've looked decent enough in games. They've scored goals. They're capable of scoring goals. I think that's key. I think sometimes we can easily just say, oh, they sit back and defend. But actually they play some brave football at times. And we saw that against West Ham. It was really transitional, particularly in the second half. Um, and I think, you know, we see some good tactical news from Lauren Smith. She rolled the dice at halftime, brought on uh, Morgan, and who had a literal immediate impact uh, setting up the equaliser with almost her first touch. So it's there. It's just that this league is unforgiving and you don't have loads of time to find your feet. But I agree with you. I feel like if, there was, if they were guaranteed another season in the WSL next year, they would, I think, be you know, much further along. I think they're a really good project. 
Yeah, because I think their attendances are averaging something like 10,000-ish in and around there, which is like really impressive for a team that has just come up. And I, again, maybe speaks to the strength of the championship and what, what is being built down there. Karen, from an Irish perspective, we obviously want to see Bristol do well because of Mustaki and Connolly that are in there. But it actually kind of really reminds me of... What Lauren Smith was saying was so similar to what Louise Quinn was saying in the run into Birmingham getting relegated and that whole idea of, you know, sometimes it's more fun being in that situation than it is being in the middle because you have something that you are fighting for every weekend or every day, whatever it is. Um, is this the sort of, are these the sort of run in for those sort of players that we can look at it and go, well, it's going to keep them sharp because literally every game does really, really. And I know the WSL season is so short, you could say that about any time, but there is something about when the clock is running down, the pressure heaps on you a bit more. I don't know. I think that very much depends on individual characters who would thrive under those circumstances. Um, if you put 10 cup finals out in front of me, my anxiety would probably eat me alive, to be honest. So, um it's a big challenge for their manager to to manage those players individually to see that as an opportunity as opposed to something that can really get in on them. I think they won't be overwhelmed by it because everyone expects them to get relegated anyway. So it's easier to kind of motivate them from that perspective. I think the pressure is more so on your West Ham's who are were not expected to be in this position and shouldn't be in this position, especially now given the squad that they have. And like I said, I don't think they will be there come the end of the year. I think they will pick up points. Um, but Bristol, yeah, for for all of their the good stuff they do, so many of their goals come from a poor clearance or someone not being picked up at the back post. And it's like the real, real basic stuff that you need to get right if you are a team that's going to be fighting for their lives. Like that's that's your bread and butter stuff. And yeah, they're they're exciting on the counter and they can play a bit of football. But too often they're the masters of their own downfall, I feel, because you're looking at the stats and you're saying, right, well the possession isn't that much different. The chances aren't that much different. But the the type of chance that they're giving up is really, really poor. And it just gives they're always giving teams an opportunity. Mm. Yeah, no, I agree with that as well. I think it's that's why I said like at the start about mm. how I feel like if they had an extra season, it would maybe give them the time to adjust to the pace of the WSL. It was always going to be a little bit different. And then also build because if I don't know, I feel like if the owners are seeing, you know, those sort of attendances, that's something we can build on. If we put a little bit into this team, we're going to get a lot out in the next season or hopefully the next season or two. So we shall see what happens. It seems likely-ish at the moment that they're going to go down. They're three points um, <clears throat> away from West Ham, who are on eight points. So it really was an important game at the weekend for them, but at last didn't go their way. Uh, chat a little bit about Arsenal when with Medima being in the team of the week. She ended a 413-day wait for a goal. But also another momentous occasion at the weekend. It was Jonas Eidevel's 100th game in charge. And there was a really interesting interview with him in The Guardian with Susie Rack, where she just kind of like outlined some of the stuff that has changed in the club since he's come in. So under Montemuro, they launched this big review of how the women's football team operated and, you know, things that needed to be brought in. So the changes that they've implemented, uh, the number of staff devoted to the team has doubled. There's now a proper hub for them at London Colony. There's a canteen with a full-time chef and nutritionist. Small technical team is now 
bigger group of specialist coaches who can approach each player in a more personalized uh, fashion. But I thought one of the really telling things from the interview was this quote from him. And I've made my feelings clear on his contract extension earlier in the season and what I felt about it. But he said, I came into this role using my mouth more than my ears. I am finding a better balance. Rachel, you're kind of smiling as I say that. What What are your thoughts? <laughs> That's a really great summary of him, I think, as a manager. He, he did, especially in the beginning, sometimes do that. He'd, he'd say things and then afterwards be like, it's not quite what I meant. Um, but it has developed this really nice kind of rivalry between him and Emma Hayes, um, who is all, also very intelligent with the way she speaks and what she says. So it was, uh, it's was it been a nice back and forth. But I think, yeah, he's probably maybe toned that down a little bit. Um, and I think maybe lets the football do the talking at times as well. I think every manager is probably judged on their trophies and he probably would like to have more um, and think Arsenal probably should have more. But I think when you factor in that his second season was essentially lost a whole lot of very, very good players um, uh, for much of the season, you kind of need that context as well. And I think what they achieved with those injuries uh, was incredible. But a lot of that then also has to be said about the players and the type of players they were to be able to come together the way they did. So um, that's I like that quote. It does kind of sum him up. Um, he does say some very interesting things in pre and post match, but sometimes he says some funny things that maybe trips him up a bit. Yeah. Do you think he's going to struggle now with those sort of groups of, you know, all those injuries that are coming back or getting more game time? You obviously have Mead, Miedema, uh Leah Williamson's coming back in, seeing Kim Little get more regular form. Like, is there a danger that he is able to manage the squad or not in terms of the players that were brought in to kind of help in that tie over time. We've seen Emma Hayes manage it quite well. And like, I think a lot of the signings he brought in are really exciting. I don't know if they're all like first team sort of players, but they're the sort of players that I'd be quite happy to see come on and see out a game or, you know, start maybe some of the easier games or ones that you feel like you have a bit of a handle on and do a job rather than, have it be a massive banana slip but can he handle that as a manager I think this will be a real test for him because you know as you say he's brought in big names um, to kind of manage some of the the losses they had in terms of uh, personnel but now they're back this will be the test and I think if they're not winning stuff if they're not you know they've out of Champions League this season they're all big things they're going to need to be able to entice players to be able to keep them happy they need that quality of football and that, that type of competition to keep players like that interested and to, to give them opportunities to play I think Emma Hayes does that very well um, so I think it's a bit of a, a wait and see a little bit because I feel like the more of those players come back the more of a challenge he has to keep them happy Karen a very dominant display by Arsenal in the end had close to 70% 70% possession, had most of the shots, but did take them to the hour mark, which I will say I actually did predict on Off the Ball on Friday that it would take an hour for Arsenal to score, which I'm very proud of. Um, but it did take them that long to break down Liverpool and get their goals. In terms of Liverpool's performance, we talked a little bit during Team of the Week about the strange choices in the team. Is Matt Beard overthinking things a little bit too much? Is he getting in his own head? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's eight changes was was too many changes going into an Arsenal game. Um, I, you know, like the likes of Clark who started the season so well, and Hines who was deputising as captain. Right, okay, she didn't have a great game the week before. Um, but the foundations 
are set long earlier in the season and to go and change them up against Arsenal is is not the right time. Maybe it was something to do with training and attitude and something like that, and in which case he would be well within his right to do it. But I just think um, that many changes against Arsenal um, when Arsenal are kind of really starting to eye up that title challenge now was um, it was a strange call on on his part. Um, obviously, they defended well the players who were selected uh, for large parts, given the pressure that they were under. But it was one of those games which I always get from a Chelsea game that had that air of inevitability about it, even as long as the game went on without them scoring. I always felt like they were going to. And that's something I've gotten very used to with Chelsea. I wouldn't be overly excited watching them for a long time and then they'll score like three goals in five minutes, that kind of a thing. So um, the game just had that that feel about it. And, and two very good goals. Well, if the first goal has been saved, which it should have been, maybe things might have been different. But again, it just felt like Arsenal were always going to make that breakthrough. Mm, yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, and as I said at the start, very nice to see Viv Miedema get back on the score sheet. And as Emma pointed out, she actually celebrated, which is very, very rare for us to see. Um, Karen, I'm going to stick with you. A difficult week as a Manchester United supporter with all the drama in the county. <laughs> Karen is, for anyone listening on podcast, Karen yeah. is shaking her head. She does not care. <laughs> no, it's not difficult. Um the, the rules are the rules. Like, if you play an ineligible player, you get docked points for that. It happened to us at P-Mount when we would have, if that hadn't happened earlier in the season, we would have mounted a title challenge. These things happen. If Man United had gotten a result against Man City, they wouldn't have this complaint. And um, that's just, that's the way the world works. And I don't really understand why this, why Man United are making as much of it as they are. Well, I did love honest. for like the people who didn't see it, they released a statement that was like literally three sentences long saying how disappointed they were and that they were reviewing their options. And then like a couple of hours later, they retracted that statement and took away the line that said they were reviewing their options because I think they realised that there were no options left to review. Um, Rachel, we've heard a lot from Mark Skinner over the last week or couple of days that this story has been developing as we hear quite a lot from him always and you were talking there about Jonas Eidevel and Emma Hayes and the way they approach the media and stuff it feels slightly like it's getting to the point where even some United fans are like okay maybe just like concentrate on what's happening on the pitch a little bit and less of the complaining or saying we should have won in the media yeah I think didn't start the season great when he came out after their Champions League loss to say that we deserve to be here because we're Manchester United and other teams don't. Not the best start. Um, and then to make such a huge furore over this this Conti Cup stuff, as Karen said, the rules are the rules. People are like, why aren't they kicked out? Well, if it was a knockout situation like it was the last time this happened, then they'd be knocked out, right? But it's not a knockout situation. It's a league, it's a, a group that they're in. So the rules is you take the points away, which is what happened. And you've got people saying they weren't punished. It's like, actually, Aston Villa were punished, which is why United are no longer in the competition. Um, so, yeah, it's been a, an interesting time over here. Um, you know, we expected to hear from Mark Skinner about it because it's definitely something he'd like to keep his opinion on. Um, but, yeah, I think the, the it was quite funny how they retracted that we're, we're exploring our options because you're like, you don't have any. So I don't really know. That exploration didn't last 
very long, did it? It just seemed like a peak Manchester United moment. I was like, why is it even necessary to retract the statement? Like, you could just leave the statement out there and then not say anything after that. And people would just be like, oh, OK, you must have just decided not to pursue this or whatever. Or next time Mark Skinner does a press conference, he can just be like, yeah, no, we decided not to pursue anything. Doesn't actually have to oh, say we'll hear about that. it again. We'll hear about it again in the pre-match press. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure we probably will. Uh, Karen, to look at the actual football, two-one win over Aston Villa. Little bit sketchy when Rachel Daly got that penalty about whether mm-hmm. Aston Villa were going to launch a bit of a comeback, but we did get to see two Nikita Paris goals, which I feel like after the last couple of seasons she's had is always a pleasant sight. Yeah, it was a good win. I know, obviously, Villa are not the team that they were last year, but the games between United and themselves have been really, really interesting ones. This was probably one of the less <laughs> exciting ones that we've come across um, with United going two up. Um, obviously, after the daily penalty, they could have kicked on. But yeah, instead of all the talk and Mark Skinner is doing, I think he'd be better off getting his strikers into training and working on their shot conversion rate. Um, because there's, again, they're not playing amazing football, but they're creating some chances. But the, the efforts at the end are you know, the wrong decision or they're a little bit half-hearted and it's, you don't get the same buzz watching them this year that you did last year, but they still have very good players. Um, It just, it seems a bit predictable at the moment, you know. Um, I was just one time during the game, like Letizia could have played the ball straight into Toon. Toon was, it just would have taken a little bit of a switch, but instead it's always the safe ball. And I think that Man United are playing too safely for the, to get the best out of their attacking players. I think it's it's too slow in the build-up because um, Man United are good when they're going at you at pace. And I just think it's it's just, yeah, it's too safe for a fan. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, it probably is helping their defensive stats and their pass rate and things like that. But that's not what we want to see from, from Man United. I don't think. It's just not really helping them in the league in general when it comes to their positioning and what they want to be doing and kicking on to. I mean, you can't say at the start of the season we deserve to be in the Champions League because we're Manchester United and then not make Champions League places at the end of the season because then it's... We don't. Little- the, the teams ahead of us, Man City play unbelievable football, Arsenal, like, they're, like they play some of the best football as well and Chelsea are ruthless and... You know, they are better than Man United at the moment. So I don't think there can be any complaints on that front. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think there is at the moment, but as in there, there can't be any complaints at the moment. But I think that you would have expected Manchester United with the growth that they've made pretty much year on year since joining the league. Yeah, but I would have expected something to happen in this transfer window maybe as well. Mm -hmm. An exciting sign. And I still think that there's a cog missing potentially a a number eight, a box-to-box kind of player who could you know, really just just get the team going, you know, someone like that. I think that that would have been good to see and it would have made a statement for future intent. But at the moment, it feels like we're going to continue to sit behind those top three. Yeah, 
Well, we did think that we weren't going to see any more Chelsea sign-ins and then they go and like break a transfer record and sign Ramirez. So maybe you will get lucky. Uh, we shall maybe. see. <laughs> Just a quick run around the rest of the fixtures um, as a reminder. So Chelsea, 3-0 Brighton. We don't have time to chat about it now, but I literally have in my notes here. Should all defenders just give up with Lauren James not even fully developed yet? So that was my yes. thoughts as watching the game. <laughs> yes, <it's> the <laughs> But I'm sure she will give us plenty more time and opportunity to discuss that. Um, she got her 50th senior goal at the age of 22 so that is just absolutely flipping ridiculous um, and then obviously Everton really really disappointing result for them against Leicester 1-0 loss and City winning 2-0 against Tottenham a little bit of a tribute to Jill Ward there as well Lauren Hemp uh, held up her jersey after her opening goal so it's nice to see that sort of togetherness as a team um, but for now that is all we have time for Karen, thank you very much for spending your lunch break with us. Much appreciated. Mm-hmm. Rachel, thank you very much for spending time. You could be wandering around the beautiful city of Paris <laughs> with us. It is very much appreciated. And um, if people want to find you, where should they go? We are at Girls in the Ball on all of the platforms, even uh, Threads. Not that we really use that, but okay. it's still there and we're there. <laughs> well, you should definitely follow everything that Rachel does because herself and Sophie do a brilliant job of covering literally every single football game it feels sometimes. And they also post cool pictures of traveling all around the world to watch said football. So it's really worth it. And um, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do so at the Koi Gig Pod. The Koi Gig Pod is sponsored by Cabri, official snack partner to the Republic of Ireland women's national team. We will be back next week with all the action all the drama we will also have the end of the transfer window at that stage so we will be able to see if Manchester United have actually been able to uphold any faith for Karen or not but until then thank you very very much for listening and we will chat to you all very very soon The Koi Gig Pod on Off The Ball in association with Cadbury official snack partner of the Republic of Ireland women's national team